everyone, and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, we're going to be talking about names, specifically the name of God and Jesus, a little bit about what God's name means and the weight it carries. This is the third commandment found in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. I'll be reading everything from the ESV version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. Do you know what your name means? Back in Bible times, they always knew what their names meant. When they named their child, it was something that had to do with something that was going on or what they wanted them to be like or whatever. We don't really do that nowadays. We don't know what our names are. But maybe a nickname would be more like this. When you get a nickname, it's usually because of something that you did, a way that you look, something like that. And we can get nicknames that really fit us. And we're like, I like this nickname. This sounds like me. Sometimes it doesn't quite fit us, but we like it. It makes us sound, you know, really good. And then other times, obviously, we aren't too crazy about our nickname. And for some reason, it sticks. And that stinks. What about just being called a name? Just maybe that's your not, not your nickname, but you're kind of known for that. If it's a good thing, then you're happy about that. You know, if somebody says you're beautiful, great, you know, the smart one. That's good. You know, we like that. Ugly, not so much, obviously. Bossy, drama queen, manipulative, hypocritical. These names matter. It matters if someone identifies us as something that we like or we don't like. And so today we're going to be talking about God's name and how he wants to be identified what his name means, and how important it is to treat his name with the respect that it deserves. We don't want to be called something that we're not. We don't want to be identified in a way that damages us and our name, right? And so it's the same thing with God. And so the third commandment says not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But listen to the rest of it. We know that part, but this is the rest of it. It says... This is Deuteronomy 5.11. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So he says, you will be in trouble. (laughs) This is a big deal to me. You not misusing my name, not using my name in vain. So what does that mean? What does it mean to use God's name in vain? We obviously know we're not supposed to say, oh my God, or use it as a curse word. We know those things. Those are the two most common ways where somebody says, oh, you're not supposed to say that. That's using God's name in vain. We know that. But there's a lot more to it, a lot more to misusing God's name. And so this term vain literally means useless, false, empty, worthless, without result. And so taking his name in vain 
would be not using it for its true purpose. Are you actually talking to God? Are you actually talking about God? When you say, oh my God, you're not talking to or about him. You're exclaiming. And there's no purpose in that. That's useless, worthless, and it's misusing his name. Or it may be using his name, but using it in the wrong way, damaging his name in some way. We'll talk about that a little bit further in a minute. The Amplified Version of the Bible uses adjectives like irreverently, falsely, contrary to his character. That's an important one in this realm. It says that taking his name means to trivialize it, make it insignificant or empty or without value, misusing it, being thoughtless when you say his name, cursing, manipulating it for your own purpose, using it to get something. Or maybe just to add weight to your words. That's what we usually do whenever we're using it as a curse word. It's just trying to add a little bit of weight, right? We want you to know this is serious. And so misusing God's name is a big deal. Just as we don't want someone calling us something we don't want to be called. We don't want to be known as something that we are not. God also doesn't, and it matters more for his name to be misused and for him to be known as something that's false than it does for us. And so I'm going to read y'all how important they took this in the Old Testament. I'm so happy for grace after I read this story. This is in Leviticus uh, 24, 10 to 16. And it says, now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel and the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name that's it capitalizes name, which means God, a blasphemed God's name and cursed. And then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shalomith the daughter of Debris of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, bring out of the camp the one who cursed and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him and speak to the children of Israel and say, whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, he shall be put to death. God's name is so important. You can just say the name and everybody knows who you're talking about, right? But then notice this boy's name is never mentioned. He is irrelevant. We don't care who he is. His mother's name gets mentioned, but he does not because we don't even want to give credit to this man's name. And so we're just going to say, yeah, this Israelite woman's son. It says that he was fighting with someone and he cursed the name of God. And this was deserving of death. And even the ones that heard this, they had to lay their hands on him before he was stunned and say, hey, I didn't mean to hear this. All of the guilt is on this man because it's that big of a deal. Now, the word blasphemy means to puncture or pierce. And so it's like he poked holes in God's name. He just damaged God's name that badly. 
That's what this is trying to give a picture of. That's why it's such a big deal, because to damage the name of God, the most important name, is a big deal. I want to read you what it says in, there's a couple of verses in Psalm about treating God's name with the weight that it deserves. This is Psalm 29, 2, and it says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And then 34, 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Exalt it, hold it up high, honor his name, praise his name. I told y'all earlier how names mattered in the Bible. And Abraham, Sarah, and Jacob, all three had their names changed whenever they began their ministry with God. When Jacob betrayed his brother, Esau actually said, oh yeah, he's rightfully named Jacob. It's like he's living up to his name because his name meant deceiver. And he had just deceived his father in regards to his his brother and his blessing. But later on down the road, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Jacob is the father of the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel. And God changed his name to Israel because he said, I no longer want you to be known as the deceiver. Your name will now be Israel, which means wrestle. And the reason for that, God tells him, is because you have wrestled with God and man and you've prevailed. You've had a struggle going on here with me and with your family and all of these things, but you've overcome that and now you're going to be okay. And so it's really kind of a name of overcomer. He wrestled and overcame. And God changed his name because he doesn't want him to be known as deceiver, just as we don't want to be known as the drama queen or the hypocrite. We want to be known as good, nice, hospitable, generous, kind, loving, ambitious, hardworking. You know, you don't want to be called lazy, right? What people call us matter. God knew that names mattered so much that he changed these people's name whenever he didn't want them to be identified by their previous name anymore. Proverbs 22, one says a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. That's how important it is to have a good name. Psalm 135, 13 talks about God's name and it says your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all the ages. So God wants his name to last forever. It needs to not lose its potency throughout that time. It needs to uh, reveal who he is forever, his actual character. His name is excellent, great, awesome, holy, and it needs to be treated as such. In the model prayer that Jesus gives to the disciples, he says, You are to say, hallowed be thy name, honorable be thy name, holy be thy name. And so I'm going to tell you several names that the Bible quotes for God and uh, what they mean. And so one of them is Elohim. That's often used if you are talking about God as the creator. 
El Shaddai means Almighty God. Yahweh, that was God's specific sacred name, and it meant self-existent, eternal. And this is what's often translated Lord, L-O-R-D, capitalized. The Jews wouldn't even speak this name out loud, and they wouldn't even spell it out fully for fear of misusing it in some way, so they took all the vowels out. Now, another name that would be used for Lord is Jehovah. And that is used whenever you're saying like supreme authority authority or master. That would be like, I say, you're my Lord if you are like my boss. Okay. And so that would be the name that you would use if you're saying God is in charge of me. Adonai means my Lord. It's personal. He is the boss of me. He's the one that I follow. And it's like an intimate name. Abba means father, but it's interpreted as daddy. It's like he's my dad. Jesus calls God by this name, Adonai. And the Bible says that we can call him that name too whenever we believe in his son and become his children, children of God. We can call him Adonai. And then when God passed before Moses, in the cleft of the rock, he proclaimed his name as the Lord, the God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. He says, I am this person. This is who I am. I'm the Lord God that is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. When delivering the Ten Commandments, he told them to call him Elkanah which means jealous God. We've talked about that a couple of times recently. He told the Israelites that he wanted his name to be forever the God of your fathers. So he would repeat this over and over. The God of your fathers said, God's also called by a million different names in the Bible, but these are just a few. Provider, healer, husband, redeemer. I want you to listen to this specific verse. This is Isaiah 54, 5, and it says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. Wow, that's a lot of names for God, right? Maker, husband, Lord of hosts, Holy One of Israel, redeemer, God of the whole earth. (laughs) These are all his names. This is who he wants to be known as as. And then God sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus' name means he saves. He is the savior. He was sent as the Christ, the promised Messiah. And this just means anointed one. He is the one that I chose for this purpose, to be the savior. Isaiah says his name would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. Jeremiah said he would be called the Lord, our righteousness. If he wasn't completely righteous, then he couldn't be our savior, right? He's also called our high priest, our shepherd. Whenever John has the vision of Jesus in heaven, in Revelation, he says he has the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords written on his thigh. So, If God has all these different names for himself, 
then obviously it matters what you're called, right? You're not going to have all of these names, different names for yourself if those different names don't matter, if they don't mean something. There would be no reason to call him both Redeemer and Jealous God if God didn't want us to understand his name by some character. He wants us to know who he is. And his name is identifying who he is. We may be able to say that we are jealous or merciful or long-suffering. We should have those characteristics. We should share in these characteristics, but that's only because God's name is on us that we get to do that. When he puts his name on something or someone, that matters. The city of Jerusalem is where Solomon built his temple and it says God put his name there. That was his building. And everyone around knew this. Everyone knew this building belongs to God and all the people that go there are known by his name. And so... How you treat his name would be important if this is a whole place is known by him and how you represent his name is important if his name is on you. As Christians, his name is on us. Christ is in that name. And the technical meaning of that word was Christ follower. So we are calling ourselves Christ follower. And if we are a Christ follower, then we don't need to damage his name, right? We don't want to do anything that's contrary to his character because that would be poking holes in his name, piercing his name. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy 2.19. God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Don't let his name be known by the bad things that you do. That's what it's saying. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if your deeds are being done in God's name, then you want your deeds to be good, right? Otherwise, you're damaging his name. Listen to this story in Ezekiel. This is Ezekiel 36, 17 to 32. I'm going to just scan over it and read certain parts for you. Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and by their deeds. So I poured out my wrath on them for the blood that they had shed in the land and for the idols that they had used to defile it. I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. But when they came to the other nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name in that the people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, yet they had to go out of this land. And so I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations in which they came. So what he's saying is he says, here's what happened. I gave you this land and then you defiled it. You worshiped other gods there and you shed blood in that land. And so you've, you've tainted my name. You've tarnished my name. This word profane actually means wound, break your word, open a wedge, pollute, prostitute. And so you are wounding 
my name by your actions. And so now I'm concerned for my holy name because these people know you as the people of God. And now you've done wrong things. And so now you've made me look bad. And so verse 22, he says, therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Lord God says. This is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations of which you came. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I'm the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and I will gather you from the countries and I will bring you back to your land and I will sprinkle you with clean water and you will be clean from all your uncleanness and from your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you will be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanness and I will summon the grain and I will make it abundant and lay no famine on you and I will make the fruit of the trees and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations and then you will remember your evil ways and the deeds that you did that were not good and you will loathe yourself for the iniquities and the abominations. Remember it is not for your sake that I do these things, declares the Lord. Let it be known to you. You can be ashamed for your ways. (laughs) And so God says, I care so much about my name that I'm going to cleanse you. You did wrong and you should be ashamed of the things that you did because you were unfaithful to me by following these other gods, which is what, you know, we talked about last week. They ended up doing this and they got driven from the land. God says, but because I don't want my name tarnished, I'm going to wash you clean and I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. And he's going to cause them to walk in his ways and do better so that they can be a better representative of his name. And he says um, he's going to put his spirit within them and that's going to cause them to walk better in his ways. And he does the same thing for us. If we accept his son, Jesus, as our savior, who he is, then he will cleanse us of our sin, give us a new heart and place his spirit within us so that we can better follow him and obey him. And so we want to honor him by representing him well. We don't want to tarnish this name that he has laid on us of Christian. Matthew 18, 20 says that when two or more are gathered in his name, he is with us. And then listen to what it says in John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So does that mean if I just say in Jesus' name, amen? then I get it. Whatever it is that I prayed before, I get it. If I say, I claim this on the name of Jesus, I get it. Is that what that means? It actually isn't what he means. 
I want you to look at something in this verse, and then I want to read you one more verse. He says that he will do whatever we ask in his name, that the Father may be glorified through the Son. And so he's going to do things that glorify his name. You can say Jesus' name all day long and claim it in his name all day long, and you're not going to get that if it doesn't glorify him to give that to you. And then James 4, 2 and 3 says, you desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you can't obtain, so you fight and quarrel. But you don't have because you don't ask. And then you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly, because you want to spend it on your own passions. So he says, even when you ask, sometimes you don't receive because you're asking for your own self and not for the glory of my name. You're not asking for any righteous purpose whatsoever. When we say in Jesus name, it's like him signing his name to the bottom of the prayer. He's endorsing this entire prayer. And so when we pray, we need to think, would Jesus endorse this prayer? Is this something that Jesus would go to God on our behalf and hand them the letter and say, this is what the people are requesting and I endorse this. I agree with it and I'm asking you, Father God, to do this for my friends back here on earth. Would Jesus do that with our prayers? That is what it is meaning when it says pray in his name. Think of God as a king, the most powerful person there is, which he is. But think of him as a king on earth. And the king has a son. And you happen to be friends with the king's son. And so the king's son says, hey, even when I'm not around, if you ever need anything, go to dad and tell him you're my friend. And because you're my friend, he'll know that I care about you and I want him to give you anything that you ask. Would you abuse that power? Would you go to the king and then say, you know, hey, I'm friends with your son. And he said, if I ever needed anything that I could come to you and I want you to give me some mansion or something or some power over this kingdom or, you know, something that you're not sure if his son would really endorse something that would go against his son, you would definitely not ask him for anything that would go against his son. You wouldn't use his name in that way because you know that his name carries weight and you wouldn't just throw that weight around for no reason. You definitely would not go use his name if the son had not given you permission. If the son didn't say this to you, you wouldn't go to the king and say, hey, I'm your son's friend and um, I would like this. And I think that, you know, he would like for you to give it. What if that friend hates you? (laughs) You wouldn't go to the friend's father and say, hey, I'm your son's friend and give me these things because the son would come back and he would say, are you kidding me? I don't even like him. Why would you give him those things? Or I barely know that guy. That's what Jesus could say. He could say, I don't even hardly know that Courtney girl. Why is she asking you stuff on my behalf? We don't want that, right? And so we need to make sure that we are not using Jesus's name in vain, misusing it and using it for our own purposes. His name carries weight. And we don't want to act as if he signed his name to the bottom of our prayer if he has not. 
And we don't want to act as if we have some authority to use our name if he's not even anybody close to us. This is what happens whenever we pray a prayer and we haven't talked to God in years. Now, I'm not talking about a heartfelt prayer. I'm not talking about a God, I'm sorry I haven't talked to you for years and I repent. I'm talking about we go about our lives all the time. And then when something bad happens, we say, oh, God, will you please do this for me in Jesus name? Amen. Rescue me. And then we go about our business. That's using his name flippantly. And Jesus might would be able to say of us, I barely know her. I hadn't talked to her in years. Why are you giving her stuff? We have to be careful about using Jesus's name because it carries weight. Listen to what it says in Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's how important Jesus's name is, that we can't use any name other than his to receive salvation. To enter the gates of heaven, we have to be able to say, Jesus is my savior. He knows me and cares about me so much. I am such a good friend of his that he died for the things that I did wrong. And now I'm using his name to get into heaven. That's what he's talking about. That's how important the name of Jesus is. Listen to what it says in Philippians 2, 8 through 11. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the father name above all names at just the mention of his name. Every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord, to the glory of the father in heaven. So. The name of God is important. The name of Jesus is important. It carries weight. And so we don't want to misuse his name. We don't want to abuse his name. We don't want to say anything that would tarnish his character. Even what we do can damage God's name. And so we have to be very careful because we carry his name. We need to represent him well. And we need to not use his name in vain, not only as a curse word, not only as an exclamation, but even at the end of our prayers, when we're talking about him, we need to use his name in a way that conveys who he really is and how important he is. The Bible says to fear the name of the Lord, respect it, treat it with honor. So that's all we have for today. Next week, we're going to talk about treating his day with honor, treating it as holy. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review and comments wherever you're listening. I'd love to hear what you think about this. If this has changed your thoughts about taking the name of the Lord your God in vain, it did mine. Whenever I was studying this, I was like, Wow, there's a lot more to this than what I thought. So let me know what you think about it.
You can also email me. My email address is found on my website, livethroughjesus.com. You can also find blog posts there. And basically that's the central hub. Anything that you want, you can find there on my website. Thanks for listening. I hope y'all are enjoying this. I'll see you next week. Thank you.